Welcome to Felony Friday, a presentation of the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, John Odermatt. Felons, friends, and freedom lovers, welcome back to Felony Friday here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. Now, Lions of Liberty does have three shows per week, Felony Friday every Friday, the show you're listening to right now, and also every Monday and Wednesday we have a show, and those shows do vary in their format. Sometimes it's Mark Clare conducting an interview with one of the brilliant minds in the liberty movement, or it's a roundtable discussion, or Brian McWilliams has hosted in the past, of course, Rand Paul, Pluses and Minuses, and Mr. Johnson's Libertyhood. And there will be some more new format type shows like that in the future. Now, before I talk about today's show and what we're going to be digging into on this episode of Felony Friday, I do want to let you all know where you can find the show notes for this episode, because we are going to talk about a lot of different things. They're going to be related to the same topic, but there's going to be lots of links and lots of material to read and dig into if that's what you want to do. This is the 49th episode of Felony Friday, so that means you can find links to all the notes and stuff we're going to talk about at lionsofliberty.com ff49. Also, I do want to encourage you all to check out IgniteLiberty.us and think about ordering a Make Liberty Great Again hat or shirt. It's a great way to help out the show. The proceeds will go back into the show. And it's also a great way to spread the ideas of liberty. We have two different eye-catching designs for the Make Liberty Great Again hats and shirts, t-shirts, tank tops. Currently, all the hats are marked down to just $19.95. Check out IgniteLiberty.us. And for those of you out there hearing this episode, you get a special little promo code. You can enter promo code HOLIDAY and you'll get free shipping on your entire order. So check out IgniteLiberty.us, pick out some hats or shirts, enter promo code HOLIDAY and get free shipping on your order. For today's show, we're doing something a little bit different. Today, instead of going through a bunch of felonies trending in the news, instead of interviewing somebody... We're going to be focusing in on one character, one person, and that person is President-elect Donald Trump's pick for Attorney General Jeff Sessions, Senator Jeff Sessions. And he's been a controversial pick. Liberals have called him a racist. Libertarians have been concerned about his stance on mass incarceration, the war on drugs, and many other things which we'll get into today. So the question we want to answer today is, who is Jeff Sessions And should libertarians and everyone in America really be concerned about this pick? And to talk through this today, I wanted to bring on one of the most popular members of the Lions of Liberty crew. He's been a recent star on the feature Mr. Johnson's Liberty Hood, been on that show many times, maybe stealing a little bit of the spotlight from the host there, Mr. Brian McWilliams. That's right. He is none other than Rico. <laughs> I just have to laugh at all the lies you just set forth, but I appreciate them. Thank you very much. Yeah, well, you know, I gotta you know pump you up. I gotta you know make you sound great so people actually trust what you say. <laughs> well, they should not do that either. But let's give it a go. All right. So this Jeff Sessions pick, I guess we'll just just dive into it right away. And I'll just do a quick bio on him first, then we'll start talking about him. Like I said, he, well, I didn't say this, but saying it now, from 1981 to 1993, he served as the U.S. Attorney General in the Southern District of Alabama, and then he was elected. He was Alabama's Attorney General in 1994. He was elected then to the Senate in 96, and then so on, 2002, 2008, and 2014, re-elected. Some of the things, like I talked about as a senator, he has opposed legal immigration. He's also opposed legal immigration, and he's supported George Bush's 
defense of Marichak's. He also supported his tax cuts, but he also supported the Iraq war and uh, some other things. He, he did oppose Bush's uh, uh, troubled asset relief program and the stimulus bill and the Patient Protection and the Affordable Care Act. So there's, there's some good things about him. Unfortunately, as attorney general, he's not going to have a lot of impact in those areas. So I guess to start out, Rico, when you first heard this pick, what are some things that came to your mind? You know, I, I didn't know that much about him. So I looked into it and just initially everything I looked at there, it didn't seem to be that great of a pick. And uh, I stand by my initial impression. I'm really not at all excited about Jeff Sessions being the attorney general. Maybe I think you hit on every possible positive that he brings. Uh, most things I looked at just I don't like at all, <laughs> but maybe I'm wrong and, and we'll see. Yeah, well, I think the I mean, the first reaction from liberals, at least that I've heard has been this reaction that he's just a you know, complete racist. And they've really there's been two things that I've seen cited. One thing being um, when he was nominated to be a federal judge back in 1986 by Ronald Reagan during the hearing, which he did not get that federal judgeship. I think one of two people to ever be nominated for a federal judgeship and not get it. But some things were dug out from his past. Apparently, he had referred to a uh, assistant U.S. attorney, a black guy by the name of Thomas Figures. He, I guess he called him a boy, and he said something that he needs to learn how to talk to white folks. And there was another thing really strange that he said that was brought up during that same hearing. Apparently, it was uh, while they were investigating or I'm not sure what involvement he had in this case, but it involved the Klan. Uh, two Klansmen had killed a black man. And he made the joke that he didn't have a problem with the Ku Klux Klan. He thought they were okay until he learned that they smoked marijuana. So even making that as a joke, if you're not a complete racist, you're pretty much a racist. Uh, that's just a terrible uh, – I don't even know what to say about that. But I guess my point here with all of this is you know, even with his character flaws – if he is a racist, I'm not sure if he is. I have no idea. I think there's enough stuff in his policy and the things that he supports, things that he's actually done, his actions, his legislative actions that should make you terrified character aside. Yeah. Um, well, just starting with the racist things, it, there's definitely an element of, of tone deafness, I think, in this appointment, because even the most um, cursory glance at his background should ring some alarms for Trump, especially with all the accusations that he's already facing from almost the, the entire left that he's racist. And then to, to go and appoint this guy, it's just <laughs> you got to kind of scratch your head and say, well, why? And I, I don't know if I entirely believe all of the allegations. He denied uh, the ones where he mentioned uh, that he called a guy boy and learn how to talk to white people. I think he, he denied those. But there's still just it's a head scratcher to me. And and I guess the big thing is he was the first senator to endorse Trump. So it's almost like a, a payback for that. He gets to be attorney general. And and uh, like you said, his policies are, are definitely concerning. And it's, it's sort of a shame if Trump wasn't going to give him any position. This is the one that I would like him to have the least because I didn't know this, but I heard on a recent podcast on a Jason Stapleton and he had Scott Horton on. They were talking they were talking about a bunch of different things, but they did touch on uh, Trump's nomination of Jeff Sessions for attorney general. Not to talk about him as attorney general, but and I didn't know this, but there's uh, I guess Sessions has recently he's uh, hired some advisors 
that are have a much more non-interventionist view of foreign policy and are against these wars. And so Sessions has really moved off of the, the hawkish stance recently. So it would have been nice for him to be a, a secretary of state maybe with that. But unfortunately, we're going to get the, the worst side of Jeff Sessions as it looks here. So my question to you is, I'm sure you looked at all of his kind of positions like I did. And it's like, which one is the most concerning? Because there's there's just a lot to be alarmed about by Jeff Sessions. Uh, you know, the drugs, uh, the drug war, you know, gay marriage, immigration. <laughs> it's hard to pick one. Maybe just from how it could impact the most amount of people. Uh, and just for, uh, I guess, putting a precedence in place for future administrations is how much he supports domestic spying and how he's been opposed to restraints, you know, farther restraints on the NSA or on the CIA or in the FBI. And he he really wants to make it, from what I understand, he really wants the FBI to be able to intercept calls without warrants. So that's, I mean, just from a high level setting of precedence going forward, it, I think that's, I think it's horrible. But when you talk about areas where we've seen a lot of progress, like obviously with marijuana, there's several states that we talked about on recent podcasts that have now legalized recreational marijuana, medical marijuana is you know, legalized in many, many more states. And Jeff Sessions is, I've never heard of another senator that is more against marijuana. He had a recent quote. This quote was like from a couple months ago, no, not that long ago, I think from August maybe, during a Senate hearing. He said, while well, talking about marijuana, he said, we need grownups in charge in Washington saying marijuana is not the kind of thing that ought to be legalized. It ought to be minimized. That is, in fact, a very real danger. You can see accidents, traffic deaths related to marijuana, and you'll see cocaine and heroin increase more than it would have, I think. Yeah. This is just like a, a 1950s view of marijuana. It's really scary. It's, it's, not that, it's not that marijuana is like the most important thing, but the way I look at it and the reform that we've seen, uh, we've seen with marijuana in relation to all other drugs is that it's like sort of the first domino. If we can get the legalization of marijuana, it's the first dent in ending the war on drugs. And have someone like Jeff Sessions, who is pretty much, and maybe he won't. Maybe Trump will rein him in on that, I hope. But I think if Sessions has allowed free reign, that's the first thing he's going to go after is these states who've legalized recreational marijuana. Yeah, his positions and his comments are just so contradicted by facts and studies and just evidence of what we've seen that marijuana is not this huge danger that he is projecting it to be. I mean, I think he's openly kind of pined for the days of Nancy Reagan and the war on drugs. Like That's what he wants. The failed war on drugs be damned. I guess he doesn't see that around him, but that's what he's looking for. And his position on it is so hypocritical because we've seen states – you know, more and more legalize it, whether it be completely for uh, recreational use or just kind of for for medication, for medicinal value. You, you know, he doesn't want states to have that say. But when it comes to gay marriage, when it comes to abortion, he doesn't want the federal government intervening. He says, well, no, the states should be able to decide that. So it's it's such a convenient argument for him when states should be able to decide something. If the Supreme Court position is contrary to what he likes, then their position is wrong because, you know, that's a state issue. 
Whereas if, you know, states are moving in a direction he doesn't like, well, no, that should be a federal issue. So it's very convenient for him which way he wants to pick and choose. I know there's differences between some of those issues. I guess you can make an argument that the uh, marijuana is an interstate commerce issue, but they're treating it, you know, as a criminal matter. And it's just, I think, ridiculous. Yeah. And just, I mean... There's lots of ways that he can really influence how the states even, you know, how they regulate marijuana and how they enforce marijuana laws, how they enforce drug laws, how they enforce any kinds and really how the state enforces all of their laws. Mm -hmm. Uh, They can't directly tell. They can't directly determine a state's criminal justice policy. But through local grants, which is basically what has, you know, that's what has funded the war on drugs. That's why the war on drugs has grown so much. They can channel billions into individual states. And if Jeff Sessions decides he does want to fight legal marijuana in these states, he can just, you know, funnel grants to those states. You know, if you get, you know, so many marijuana arrests, you'll you'll get more money. And it's bad. And the same thing with sentencing. Yeah. You know, the attorney general, U.S. attorney general, does guide sentencing policy throughout the states. And it's not that the states have to follow it, but it, I mean, it's, it's something that I think is heavily influenced by the attorney general. Yeah, well, you're right on both points because the billions that you did mention, the Justice Department does oversee, you know, like you said, grants. And I, I guess under Obama, they were more shifting towards preventative measures and rehabilitation for drug users. Whereas I'm anticipating, hopefully I'm wrong, that he's going to go after and say, you know, we need more, (laughs) whether it's SWAT equipment or whatever, you know, the militarization of the local police forces in in this war on drugs. And I also was interested in the his position on the sentencing guidelines. I guess one positive that he uh, does have is he advocated for the elimination of the sentencing disparity between cocaine and crack. And and there was a huge difference, which obviously uh, adversely affected uh, inner city convicts, but he helped block a broader drug sentencing reform in the Senate last year because he said it would release violent felons. Well, that's just a BS, you know, a, a byline he can use to oppose there's not, you know, the criminals that, that would have released were not falling under the armed robber category. It's, it's ridiculous. And another thing I found about him was that two former aides of his were just hired by the largest private prison corporation. It's called Geo Group. They just hired two of his former aides in October, and what they're going to lobby for is more outsourcing of federal corrections to private contractors. So, you know, there's some cronyism already in the works, and it looks like there was some anticipation of, well, if Trump wins, then Sessions is going to have this position, and then these aides are going to become, you know, very valuable to have in our camp. So the swamp draining is not going that well, at least as of yet. Yeah. And when you talk about how he was against criminal justice reform, saying it was going to re- release all kinds of violent felons. When I was digging into that, I found this really cool pie chart I'll post in the show notes. It's from prisonpolicy.org. And what it does, it breaks it down by the amount of prisoners in state prisons, local prisons, and federal prisons. And it's it's abundantly clear looking at it that you know, so many of these prisoners are nonviolent drug offenders. You know, you have 2.3 million people in prison nationwide, and out of that, in state prisons, 1.3 or a little bit over 1.3 million are in state prisons, 
And half of that really are nonviolent offenders. When you look at the local jails, that's a fluent situation, so it's really hard to gauge that. But I think federal is the clearest picture. 211,000 imprisoned, 105,000 are imprisoned for drug offenses. And then when you break that down even a little farther, you've got some you know, immigration offenses, weapons offenses, some other things that, that could be nonviolent. But yeah, you're looking at least half of federal people in federal prisons are nonviolent offenders. So it's, it's just a ridiculous thing to say that, that we can't let these people out of prison who have not harmed another person. Yeah, and you'd think it would also be a, a financial consideration. You know, if Trump is worried about deficits, I know this is probably a, a minuscule part of our overall budget, but, you know, you're paying for all these nonviolent offenders in federal prison. For what purpose? They're not a danger to society. It's like they're incapable of taking a step back and looking, okay, what is the big picture here? Should these people's lives be ruined for a nonviolent offense, which most of, like you said, most of them are? It's just absurd. And it's kind of, it does seem to be a step back, a big step back in that area. Yeah. Just to keep talking about the, uh, you know, the mass incarceration and Obama's starting to pardon, starting to make uh, commutations. I guess this is from August. He'd done, he had pardoned, he had commuted the census of 214 federal inmates convicted of drug or gun or gun charges. And this is what Sessions had to say at this at that time in opposition to Obama doing that. President Obama continues to abuse executive power in an unprecedented, reckless manner to systematically release high-level drug traffickers and firearms felons. These 214 individuals are not so-called low-level nonviolent offenders, which simply do not exist in the federal system, which is a, that's a lie. That's an outright lie, saying they don't exist in the federal system. I just cited the facts of that pie chart. You can look it up yourself. He says, they are serious criminals, including 56 with federal, federal firearm convictions, several career offenders, fugitives, and many who violated conditions of their release, and at least one who engaged in witness intimidation. Now, you get the, the nuances of each case. I'm sure out of those 214, you know, one of them could be, a couple of them could be some bad people. But I really doubt that Obama would risk his yeah. reputation commuting the sentences of somebody that, I th- that he would think would be likely to go out and yeah. commit a crime. They're, they seem to be vetting taking their time to vet these um, people. So I, like you said, I, I would be very surprised if they let anyone go that they really, uh, that was a, actually a danger to society. So just blank to what I was going to say. So, oh, actually I did think of one point and I know it's not about um, sessions, but I, I, you did see the article this week about where Obama said that he was going to advocate for further marijuana reform as a private citizen which just struck me as, well, what were you waiting for? You've been in yeah, I, I, president for eight years. And <laughs> where do you have more power, as president or a private citizen? So this seems to just such a be a, an empty gesture. I mean, it, it's, I guess, good, but it's so falling short of what he could have done. And, and he could have set policy and precedent to be much further along in case the next person that came along to enforce laws was a Jeff Sessions. Just picture Barack Obama like attending like smoke-ins and <laughs> just smoking blunts in public. I'm doing my best now, guys. Now that I'm out, trying to help the cause. What a, I mean, yeah. What a I've tried to praise Obama when he's done. He has done some good things for reform of the war on drugs, and you have to give him some credit. But man, if if Obama and I feel like he really does, he really does feel like the war on drugs is unjust, and he's proven it. 
but by letting these people out of prison by commuting their sentences, he's proven with his actions that he thinks their sentencing is too harsh. So you would think that he would have used his bully pulpit to you know advance this cause more. It's just incredibly – it doesn't even make sense why he would think he would – it would be more effective to wait to do this when he doesn't have that bully pulpit anymore, when he's a private citizen, other than – I don't know. He, just, I mean, he gets I, I, to I, I, advocate I the, the responsibility for it. He can say – Look, I'm, you know, I'm all for it. So he can look, you know, good to the marijuana reform contingent. But at the same time, he doesn't have to put his neck on the line or, or waste put any political capital trying to do this where he says, well, if we want this, maybe it's going to be harder for me to do something else. So it is in a large sense, I think, an empty gesture and just kind of pandering to a certain crowd, which is not enough. It's, it's yeah. not nearly it's- enough. It's certainly not enough. And I do want to talk about you. You asked me what, you know, what is the most scary thing? The first question of his policy stances or his, his legislative actions. And I said domestic spying, but it, it could be his stance on torture, which I'm not necessarily clear what it is because it's kind of confusing the way he talks about it. There was a back in 2005, John McCain, John McCain, who is anti torture for good reason, because he spent a lot of time being tortured in a Vietnamese prison. He had submitted a bill that was supposed to require American troops to follow a certain set of interrogation standards. And they were supposed to eliminate any cruel, inhumane, or degrading treatment of prisoners. And it went up to vote. And one of the people that voted against it was Jeff Sessions. Jeff Sessions had this to say about the bill. He said, I believe the CIA and FBI should be able to use all lawful procedures to interrogate individuals who are committed to the destruction of America. Sessions said in the interview, adding that torture, including waterboarding, is already illegal. I think the country is on a sound path to curtailing abuses, but we don't need to go so far that an individual who may be associated with a group of people who are plotting to blow up Manhattan that that person can't be interrogated lawfully, but not just according to the army manual. He wants some. He wants to be able to, to push it over the line just a little bit, which is really concerning, considering the things that Donald Trump has said about torture, that Donald Trump has said about, obviously, as he said, horrendous things about going after the family members of terrorists and torturing people. So with the two of them, if, if they both agree on this, that might be the most terrifying thing that he has. Yeah, and... That kind of goes along with, um, well, it may go along with because there is a obviously a Supreme Court seat vacant. So you wonder, okay, is this going to be some kind of you know policy position that Trump is very important to Trump, and is he looking for you know a judge who shares that same kind of outlook? And I don't know if torture would be at the top of the list that they're looking for, but you never know with Trump. So. Um, it's quite concerning what kind of, you know, policy and they go for on, on the, in that aspect. So I guess to talk about the strategy for a minute of Trump nominating Jeff Sessions, you talked about it in the beginning, you know, just the kind of the racist connotation that is following this guy around. He was denied a federal judgeship because of you know supposed racist comments. Every liberal out there thinks he's a racist. Do you think there's any chance that Donald Trump just put him up and then he's going to, you know, once he doesn't get this, if the Senate doesn't confirm him, that he, he has someone else in mind he wants to shift in? Could this be like a strategy of some kind? Um, well, <laughs> it could be. You never know. <laughs> but He's a wizard after all that Donald Trump. I haven't read a whole lot where people expect him not to be confirmed. 
he is a senator and you know that <laughs> it might be a little bit awkward if his own senators did not confirm him so i think he's going to get confirmed and maybe it's it's just a matter of trump rewarding people that did support him in the past i think that's probably the number one thing and and you know the policies kind of line up so it was an easy pick for trump but as far, as far as an overall strategy god knows yeah, I mean, it's who knows with Donald Trump. I'd like to think that, that there's something else at play here. It would be so disappointing if Jeff Sessions did become attorney general. The only person who I could think I would like who would be worse than Sessions as attorney general would be Rudy Giuliani. But I, I don't know. It's it's just a it's a tough situation. And the things that Donald Trump said on the campaign path, especially in regards to the drug war into you know states that have passed recreational marijuana. He was very much leave it up to the states. Of course, looking at the past things Donald Trump has said, he's flip-flops back and forth on all kinds of things. So who knows? It's just, it's, just, it's really going to come down to how much of a leash is Jeff Sessions on or is he just allowed to operate the way that he wants to? Yeah, his appointment was a big kind of deflating the balloon moment. Not that I was really optimistic about a Trump presidency, but you know, there's, you can kind of think, okay, well, he said some good things like you mentioned on the campaign trail. Maybe it's not going to be a complete disaster in every area. And I mean, I don't think it will be, but you know, there was a much more optimism and then he started trotting out sessions names and a couple of the other names for, for different positions. And it was just like a, a groan, like, Oh God damn it. So I don't know disappointing. <laughs> I think, you know, we've talked a lot about the the criminal justice side of it and, and an aspect of that is legal immigration. And Jeff Sessions has been, like I said in the intro, very much against illegal immigration. He's been against all pretty all forms of immigration. It's really quite incredible. And he's going to have a lot of power as attorney general. The uh, Department of Justice controls the administrators who are appointed. They uh, control the judges who preside and and they oversee the appeals of the, the deportation orders. So it's really going to be all in their hands. And when you talk about sanctuary cities, too, they're going to be able to really, if they want to, they can withhold federal money and put different kinds of pressure on those sanctuary cities through those uh, local grants that we talked about before and, and different aspects like that. So it's yeah. he, he could really have an impact on, on illegal immigration. And what, I mean, one thing I, I do want to point out that liberals and progressives, I guess they maybe they don't know or they don't bring it up. But Barack Obama has deported more illegal immigrants than like the past six presidents combined. He's deported an, an incredible amount of people. Yeah. And I'm not going to say that's that's right or wrong. Um, we do have uh, you know a law in this country that you're not supposed to be able to come here and um, just work and not pay taxes and, and take advantage of what this country has to offer. And I don't want to get too much into how I feel personally about immigration, but I feel like there needs to be more of a national conversation. And well, I, I think the problem just at a high level is that we're not talking about the reason why we have so many people choosing the path of, of illegal immigration rather than choosing the path of legal immigration, because it's not possible. I mean, 
people immigrating from Mexico don't have $20,000 to hire a lawyer to fill out all the paperwork to get in to become a legal immigrant. It's just not something that's ever going to happen. So they take the path of least resistance and they live this life in the shadows as illegal immigrants. And I will argue that they they serve a purpose and there's, there's plenty of jobs in the economy that they fill that a lot of U.S. citizens won't fill, that they think's beneath them. And I think they do serve a, a very important role in the economy. And it's, it's just – I don't know how much Jeff Sessions could escalate this, but looking at his past record, how – he's been entirely against all forms of immigration. This – I mean this could be the liberals' worst nightmare coming true. It is, and it's, it's just another area where Trump is either tone deaf to concerns about him or he just doesn't care. You know, like you mentioned, the conversation that Jeff Sessions wanted to have about immigration is quite different than the conversation that we want to have about immigration. Even last year when Trump came out with the proposed ban on Muslims, just the broad stroke of just banning Muslim immigration until I think he said we get it figured out, whatever that means. Sessions said he gave a pretty lengthy statement, but in the end, he said, I, I think it's appropriate to begin to discuss this. Like, no, that is not an appropriate kind of base to start a discussion at whether you should ban an entire religion from immigrating into the United States. It's, it's just ridiculous. And like you mentioned, you know, his or Trump's kind of policy on how illegal immigration is looked at, it's going to have an effect on the economy. There is a kind of a, a net positive in some aspects to illegal immigration with the different types of work that have been done. There are taxes being paid by illegal immigrants. So you can't just say, get out and, you know, everything is going to run smoothly. There's not going to be any hiccups. There's not going to be any lost business. It, certainly things need to be figured out in a better manner. You can't just go, you know, to hire a hundred illegal immigrants and, you know, treat them like crap and everything. There's certain standards that should be had, but the base that kind of the starting point of their discussion on illegal immigration is, is pretty kind of scary. That's a good point on the taxes too. A lot of people who are against illegal immigration bring that up all the time in arguments. We're losing, we're, you know, we're losing all these tax dollars. They're getting all this stuff for free. People don't realize that most, I don't know percentage, but I would say a majority of illegal immigrants pay taxes and they will never see, you know, they're paying into social security. They're paying into Medicare. They're not going to be able to actually receive those benefits. Right. Because what they do is they get, you know, when I worked out in California, I'm not going to say we hired illegal immigrants. We might have. <laughs> I don't know. We, we took them through background checks, right? And when you do a background check, some of these people would come up, they'll have associated with their name, like 15 different social security numbers. So if you had it down to like, you know, a number where it made sense, where it was associated with their correct address and it looked right, and they passed their background check, they didn't have all kinds of other problems, then we'll hire them. But, I mean, they're getting actual social security numbers and they're paying into the system for those jobs when they're able to get those jobs. So it's something that is, I think it's it's a non, it's a fabricated it uh, statistics. It's not real. Yeah, I don't know, understand where, you know, people try to portray like illegal immigrants are just getting, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars in free, you know, benefits or whatever. And in return for nothing, I, I think it's kind of flipped. So I, I'm not sure where they're getting these numbers at. And the other thing, though, that you mentioned, when you're looking at a background check, if they make um, bigger burden on business, you know, to make sure that they're 
not hiring illegal immigrants, like say the, that background check that your company in California did was found to be insufficient and they want, okay, well, we want to make 100% sure there's no illegal immigrants. So you need to step up your background checks. Well, that's an added cost of business, which is also detrimental. So, you know, you can't just expect to build a wall, which I believe actually Sessions was in favor of a long time ago too, and that solved the illegal immigration problem the way he's portrayed it. You have to have other steps. You're going to have to rely harder on private businesses to kind of get the result that you want, which is, you know, just another kind of burden, which is against what Trump was saying. You know, he wants to make it easier for business to operate. So who knows how this is all going to play out, really? So you asked me at the beginning of the show what I thought was the worst thing on Jeff Sessions' record. What do you think his worst aspect is? <sighs> well, it's hard to say. <laughs> you know, you, my initial kind of impression was the war on drugs because I think that's just going to further restrict civil liberties. It's going to in- increase the number of prisoners. So I think there's more control over that. I think there's going to be more of a pushback against any kind of you know, broad immigration ban, if they do that, I think that's more of a case of where Trump was saying something kind of outrageous than walking it back. But I don't know if if Trump really cares about the, the war on drug issue. Like, is he going to want to, you know, use political capital on, on that being the thing, you know, that he wants? To I think Trump cares about being popular. Yeah. That- and he's going to want to get reelected. Yeah, so I guess we might just kind of wait to see how the wind blows. So, you know, it it wouldn't be my biggest concern, but I understand people who are concerned about his stance on gay marriage. But Trump said, you know, basically the Supreme Court ruled on it. It settled the law. So his position on that is is much kind of less concerning because it doesn't appear that, you know, he's going to have any latitude to, to by bound, really, you know what they would do at this point anyways. So that seems to be a less of a concern. So I would, I guess I would say the war on drugs or the immigration issue is, they're both pretty concerning to me. Yeah, there's, there's certainly a lot to pick from. And it is just looking into this guy. I knew a little bit about him. I knew pretty much the bad stuff about him when they announced the appointment or when they announced that he was going to be the guy that Trump wanted to appoint as attorney general. And I was hoping that as I looked into it more, I would kind of find some nuanced stuff that I could agree with. But it was actually quite the opposite. Just the more I dug, the the more terrible stuff I found. So, I mean, other than the caveat I, I talked about on that I heard from the Stapleton program where they said that he has sort of pivoted on his foreign policy, on his aggressive foreign policy. So maybe there's some chance that he could, uh, I don't know, evolve in, in some of these stances. I've Maybe he'll be forced to. Maybe Trump will force him to evolve. So that's hope I have. Rico, this has been fun. It's been good talking about good old Jeff Sessions here. It's been great to have your legal opinion <laughs> on this issue. I really appreciate it. My legal opinion is somewhat dulled by the uh, the late night we had last night. I'm sure you were partaking in some football watching last night and uh, stayed oh, indeed, up a little, little too late and paying for it this morning as I am. But we fought through it and I think we did okay. Yeah, yeah. And of course, Rico's talking about the uh, the Penn State Nittany Lions winning the Big Ten Championship. And we're recording this on a Sunday. So, of course, we heard this morning the terrible news about Penn State <laughs> not getting the college football playoff. But that was Screw to be expected, you, I guess, for the most part. So what can you do? Be going to the Rose Bowl and uh, Alabama's going to crush everyone else. So <laughs> exactly. it doesn't matter. Well, but anyway, that's really it for the show. Just want to remind you guys listening out there. 
If you want to help the show, and we hope you want to help the show because we want to grow this show bigger, the best way you could probably do that is by, if you haven't already, going to iTunes and giving us a five-star rating and a review that really helps us with the algorithm that they run there over at the iTunes and will get us up and get us so more eyes can find our podcast and more ears can then listen to it. Be sure to also follow us on social media, follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and be sure to share the show in your networks as well. And if you haven't yet joined the Lions of Liberty Forum, I'm not sure what you're waiting for. We're getting a uh, huge number over there. I think we're close to 900 people now. Maybe we'll get to 1,000 by the end of the year. If you guys, if everyone listening to this right now who's not in the Lions of Liberty Forum joins the Lions of Liberty Forum, upon hearing this, we will get to 1,000. And the way to do that is to go to Facebook, type in the search bar at the top, Lions of Liberty Forum, and uh, click join, and we'll get you approved as long as you are a real person. I promise you that. So that's really all I have for today, guys. I want to thank you all for listening. This is John Odermatt signing off. Always remember to keep your head up and the fires of liberty burning.